Well, with 13 weeks in the book, the NFL MVP race is running, and we're here to talk about who we think deserves the award. Plus, we're going to break down our favorite team's division. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. So the debate has seemed to get about as loud as it has been all season um, in the past couple days, talking about who should be considered the MVP at this point in time. The last two years, um, we've known very clearly that it was going to be Patrick Mahomes in 2018 and Lamar Jackson in 2019. And so this year, there's a little bit of a, a twist in that we don't have a clear-cut, unanimous MVP frontrunner at this point in time. Some people could argue Patrick Mahomes again. Others could argue Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Russell Wilson was in the conversation, but now he's um, I don't even know if he's being talked about in those conversations at all. So um, I'm kind of curious, Daniel, if if we kick off this week's episode by talking through, I guess, the MVP candidates overall and then who you think should win and uh, and I'll do the same. Yeah, so, so the big thing for me is that um, I, I think I'm really struggling to... Um, to see how there's any competition. Uh, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but um, I guess that's not true. There, there are two people who I think are potentially deserving, um, a third guy whose name is coming up a lot, and a fourth guy who I think is not getting near the credit he deserves, but I will give that he's had a bad set of weeks here, which has kind of pushed him out of the conversation. So the first uh, most obvious name, right, is, is Patrick Mahomes. Through uh, 12 games, just an exceptional season. Uh, 31 touchdowns, only two picks, to this point, 68 completion percentage, 3,800 yards. This has been, like, honestly, maybe the best season we've seen out of him. I know he had that absolutely insane season a couple of years ago, but um, the two picks, is, is that's mind-blowing to throw that many touchdowns with that few interceptions. Uh, that, that's, like, like best-year Aaron Rodgers kind of numbers. Um, and, I mean, on the ground even, nothing crazy, but but he has put up 240 rushing yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground as well. You can't just discount that. Patrick Mahomes um, has had an exceptional season. Yeah, it's true. Um, the one key thing that I think stands out and the one reason why I maybe wouldn't go with Patrick Mahomes and yeah, I don't know. It, I guess it could be argued in years past as well, but I think Aaron Rodgers does not have the weapons that Patrick Mahomes does. I think that, you know, we've seen that. And I mean, even the stats, if you look at it right now, Two players from the Kansas City Chiefs are in the the top five for receiving yardage, and that's Travis Kelsey. Yeah, top three, exactly. So that's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, Actually, I should say it in the order it is in, Travis Kelsey and then Tyreek Hill. And so I think that one conversation that needs to come to light at this point in time is, think about what we talked about throughout the the course of the offseason, right? Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough weapons. Then we get to the uh, free agency period. Nothing happens. No big name acquisition is uh, is brought in, and we go from there, assuming that they'll acquire someone in the draft. We go to the draft, and nope, nothing. Uh, they take a, I think, a, what their third string running back in the second round or third round, but they didn't really add anyone to the um, the list of Aaron Rodgers' weapons. And still, he's putting up. I'm extremely impressed with the fact that he has 36 touchdown passes, which is actually actually leading the league. And he has only four touch or four interceptions, I mean. And so I have to say that I'm extremely impressed with how well Aaron Rodgers is playing right now. You know, sixth in passing yards, almost a 70% completion percentage, which is just ridiculous. 
Um, I'm yeah, I'm blown away by how well he's playing. Just considering that he does not have the talent around him like uh, Patrick Mahomes does, and Devonte Adams a key reason for why Aaron Rodgers is going off as he is. But um, I, I definitely would put him as the front runner at this point in time. But I have to say, Daniel, that. Um, there's a couple running backs that I think need to be a part of this conversation as well. I know that you want to talk about another quarterback, but before we get to uh, Mr. Murray, I was thinking that, you know, Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook deserve to be at least talked about in this conversation. Yeah, and it's, it's so hard, right? I always think back to the year that Peyton Manning won MVP on his 55 touchdown season, and that was the year that uh, Adrian Peterson absolutely went off, came, what, like six yards short of breaking the single season rushing record. Um, I don't remember how many touchdowns he put up, but he had one of the best running back seasons ever. And uh, he, I don't even know how many votes he got, but it wasn't a lot. Like it is almost a quarterback's award, but um, yeah, we can't ignore what, what Dalvin cook and Derrick Henry have done this season. Um, their stats are pretty darn similar realistically through, through, I think both of them have played 12 games. Just let me confirm that so that I don't look dumb here. Dalvin yeah. Cook's 11. Did he miss one, miss one with injury or did they get an extra? No, I, I believe he missed one with injury, yeah. So that actually, wow. So in, in one game fewer, you're looking at a guy with uh, with 70 yards less, essentially one touchdown more, and Dalvin Cook is a significantly more effective receiver than uh, than, than Derrick Henry. Um, but both have just been, been going off. Like, I don't really know if, if I can remember a time when we've had two running backs who have really looked this good um, in the last, like, five or six years. Well, yeah, I mean, there's been, that's tough. There's a couple seasons where we've had some really great running back performances. I think last year, Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry were sort of similar to this, but not nearly in rushing yards, right? It I was, mean, McCaffrey more had so, 116 receptions, so that was a bit of a different exactly. conversation. And, well, and he was in the, for sure, he was in the 1,000 and 1,000 club, but um, I do agree that it is interesting to see running backs that are this um tightly packed when it comes to stats and I mean it really will be a race to see who wins the rushing title but Derrick Henry's at a or looking like he's on a better pace than he was actually last year when he had over 1500 yards rushing I believe that he's on pace to actually have or, or I think he only had 12 touchdowns last year and he's already at 12 this year and so I, I think that as far as I'm concerned he has a, a good enough um, set of stats to this point when he's only going to heat up for the remainder of the season and considering that no quarterback is really running away with it, I think this is the year where he could get a little bit more consideration than he would in a year, like you mentioned, Daniel, where a quarterback goes off and, and breaks records. So um, it definitely needs to be considered as part of this conversation. And uh, Tennessee Titan fans will, will blast that message out consistently. And I think that it's, uh, it's worth listening to for sure. But um, let's hear for Kyler Murray, though, Daniel. Why do you think that he's still potentially in the running? Well, so first, as much as it hurts me, I've seen this name thrown around, so I have to throw one other one out before we talk about Kyler Murray, and that is Josh Allen. Um, <laughs> I, I hate it. I, I do really, like, I've, I've been very open about the fact that uh, I don't think he's nearly as good as, as what he's being kind of built up as right now. Um, but statistically, I mean, 70 completion percentage, 3,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, where it starts to get ugly is his eight picks and his seven fumbles. Uh, that's absolutely brutal. But he does have six touchdowns on the ground as well. So, yeah, he's he's worth an honorable mention. But, yeah, Kyler Murray, 
Uh, three weeks ago, I felt way better about this than I do now. Kyler Murray's last few weeks have been um, really, really not that strong. Um, and in, in his last two weeks, he has been very ineffective. Last three weeks, he's been really ineffective as a rusher. Um, he's been throwing picks. His, his passing numbers haven't been great. So I don't feel as amazing as this, but he does still have four games where I think if he, if he can really get back to midseason form, he belongs in the conversation. And that's because his numbers are looking pretty Lamar Jackson-esque from last year. Um, Kyler Murray, yeah, like too many picks. Ten interceptions, uh, three lost fumbles. That's a little brutal. But 22 touchdowns, 3,000 passing yards, 67 completion percentage. And then on the ground, you have a guy who's, who's getting 10 rushing touchdowns from the quarterback position. And that's with, yeah, these games where because of his shoulder injury, he hasn't really been running the ball as much. Um, if Kyler Murray finishes the season with, I don't know, say like, say he, he, you know, has some pretty strong games. He finishes with 35 passing touchdowns and like 15 rushing touchdowns. You can't ignore that. 50 total touchdowns is nuts and is not out of reach for him right now. Um, yeah, the, the Cardinals would really need to go off as a team, but um, Kyler has had, has had a pretty impressive season, especially if we're all going to freak out about what Lamar Jackson did last year. Kyler is looking similar, maybe a bit worse again because of these last few weeks, but he's been really, really impressive this year. Well, and the big difference between him this year and Lamar last year is wins. And, you know, Baltimore was far more successful as a team. So whether you attribute that to the performance of Lamar or whether you attribute that to the defense, and obviously there's other components to a game than just a quarterback, but uh, or to a team, I mean, than just a quarterback. Um, Yeah, I guess it is interesting when you look side by side, but the reality of it is this award is given on a year-by-year basis to the player that, um, yeah, dominates for that given year. So while the stats might be comparable, the reality of it is that, yeah, there are uh, (laughs) some different stats that are being put up in the the passing categories this year that just weren't present last year. Minus Lamar Jackson's touchdown passes, I'll say that, but yeah. yeah, it's a it's an interesting year at the quarterback position for for sure. And I mean, yeah, from a, an MVP perspective, we know it is a quarterbacks award traditionally. But um, yeah, unfortunately, not all quarterbacks are shining though. And I can't think of a, a better transition than that, Daniel, to talk about um, a big quarterback benching that's being talked about all over uh, social media right now and on just about every talk show you hear. Yeah, I mean. This, uh, this, our conversation is kind of funny here. I had, we had me kind of project, projecting Murray as an MVP candidate at the start of the season and you with Wentz. And um, mine has looked yeah. a little better, though admittedly neither of us have looked incredibly great. But yeah, Wentz has just looked lost this year in a way that, um, I mean, I've seen people compare it to like late stage Mariota, where it almost just looks like a high school football player trying to compete against NFL athletes. It just looks like he's spooked on every play. He really just doesn't seem to know what he's doing. I think he just needs a reset, and this is going to be good for him. But it's another hyper-mobile quarterback now that, that will be uh, will be taking over for a team, and, and that list kind of grows, right? Josh Allen, not running as much this year, but is definitely in that list of very mobile. Uh, you write Russell Wilson. We just talked about uh, Kyler Murray, um, obviously Lamar Jackson. It's a growing number. Deshaun Watson even can really can really move with his legs. So, uh, Jalen Hurts is kind of the next in what's becoming a pretty long line, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't know his uh, his performance kind of coming in to replace Wentz uh, this week was 
so-so, if I remember correctly. I just glanced at his stats um, after the game. And, like, was he amazing? No, but, like, he didn't play terrible. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to see what Jalen Hurts can do, though. I I do wish that Wentz hadn't really fallen apart like he has seemed to have done. Yeah, and you know what? I I don't think that Carson Wentz is necessarily playing the way that um, he's capable of playing. I don't think that it's him that's at that bad of a level. I think the reality of it is his offensive line has been terrible right from the beginning of the season just due to injuries. And I think that gets in your head as a quarterback, right? You start, I mean, you're rushing your progressions. You're trying to mentally make decisions before you can. And I think as soon as you see any form of pressure, sometimes you shut down. And and that's something that you can see with Carson Wentz. As soon as someone's coming around the edge and he can tell he's about to get hit, he pulls the ball down or he's not willing to go through the action of taking that hit to make the the necessary throw. And so you're right. I do think that um, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts that has that uh, mobility aspect to his game will provide a difference to this Philadelphia Eagles offense. So I don't think Carson Wentz is done in the NFL and I don't think he's done having success in the NFL, but I just, I don't think it's going to be behind this Philadelphia Eagles offensive line at this point in time. And I think, yeah, Jalen Hurts can use that to his advantage as soon as the pocket collapses and um, he's yeah willing to take off or willing to make throws on the run, like the touchdown pass he threw this past week to Greg Ward. Um, I, I think that he'll, have a better chance for success at this point in time. And it'll be a really fun week to, to get to see him in action, considering that they're playing the Saints, who have been nothing short of dominant over the past however many weeks. So uh, it'll be a good time for him to get his first start, for sure. And then just kind of a few um, other smaller stories from this week. Uh, the Browns beat the Titans and, and did it in a way, there was a bit of a, of a late surge by the Titans, but did it in a way to me that was, um, really compelling towards you know this team's chances down the stretch. I, I was really really impl- impressed. Baker played out of his mind. Um, yeah, just a really really good game for them. Jarvis Landry threw like what his third or fourth pass of the season, his third pass of the season, um, which is kind of funny. Um, the Vikings as well have actually placed themselves in the NFC playoff race, which. As a Patriots fan, oh boy, do I wish that six and six really puts you in the AFC playoff race right now. But uh, the Vikings have been on a, on a bit of a surge. This is a team that had a really brutal start, but has really shown up the last few weeks. Um, and that's all kind of on the back of a, of a rookie receiver who I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But that's been good. The, the Giants have been winning. They toppled the Seahawks, which was crazy. Um and now the Steelers also got their first loss. So just some some big game line or game storylines this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. No shortage of excitement this past week. And um, yeah, it's uh, we'll have some games to talk about in week 14 for sure. It's hard to come up with a, a defined list of games that we're looking forward to watch when the reality of it is that there's what, seven or eight games that are on our list as game of the week candidates. Um, and games that we think we should talk about right so whether or not time allows the reality of it is this will be a very good week of football but before we get into that yeah we got to break down the AFC East which is a division that has three football teams and one um dumpster fire but uh <laughs> had to think of the phrase dumpster fire there um but yeah three football teams one dumpster fire and I think uh, we got to start it off at the top with the Buffalo Bills yeah and I think uh, I'll be honest, and, and I'm probably going to get 
flamed for this, and that's fine. But as much as they are currently first in the division, I will say right now, I don't think they're the best team in this division. Um, but Buffalo definitely has had an impressive season. And, and we projected that last year, right? We were kind of seeing the shades as they finished out 2019 that, oh, man, like this football team, they have a lot of pieces in place. And, and it really was a question of could Josh Allen put it together? Could he be an NFL quarterback? And in some games this year, he's very much looked like an NFL quarterback. And in other games, he's very much looked like Josh Allen. So the defense has been disappointing. They were kind of the highlight of, of this team last season. And if I remember correctly, they lost no starters in the offseason. Um, I don't know about that. I think I, it was I, the Chiefs that only lost one or something. Or that okay. didn't lose I thought anything. the Bills pretty well kept their entire defense from last season together. Um, actually, Adam, when you're giving your commentary on this team, I might look that up just to see. But um, yeah, the, the Bills are good. That, <laughs> that's just honestly where it is. It blows my mind that they're actually currently favored by two and a half points against the Steelers this weekend. That makes literally no sense to me. But um, no, it, it's a strong team. Josh Allen has had some really solid games. Stephon Diggs um, and Cole Beasley really have been uh, a, a really, really solid one-two punch. Um, Devin Singletary has been pretty disappointing in a year that, that some thought he could be kind of a, an emerging star running back. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story for this team. Their offense has been the, the surprisingly strong lead unit for them. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it earlier that Josh Allen is an MVP candidate, and that is um, not a fake conversation, right? That's not us putting forward any or putting forward any beliefs that are, you know, controversial. I think this is something that you can actually justify. And so, um, honestly, like looking over this team, Daniel, I don't think I can talk too much more about the players you highlighted, right? That them bringing in Diggs was a, a huge acquisition for them, and thought that that would be complementing a already strong defense. You've already said that that's not the case. It blows my mind that they're giving up 25.5 points per game, to be honest. Um, that's something that I don't know if they'll be able to sustain, right? How many weeks can Josh Allen play as well as he did this past week where he threw, what, 375 yards and four touchdowns or something along those lines? Can he do that against the Pittsburgh? Can he do that against the Chiefs team? And so I'm extremely intrigued to see, not necessarily... Um, how well this team can play at this point in the season. But I want to know going into the playoffs if that's something that they can keep up when they're playing much stronger competition than the 49ers. I, uh, I do want to look over their schedule and just pick apart their losses a little bit. Um, one of their losses coming to the Cardinals on the Hail Mary play. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And the funny thing is that, the, I mean, Kyler Murray did not have a great game that day. So it's not like their defense allowed him to play phenomenally. But Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins that day both went off with over 100 yards each. So I think that they do have some weaknesses, right? I mean, Tredavious White would be covering Hopkins in that case. And, and Hopkins had a great stat line, 7-1-27 and a touchdown. What's happened to Tredavious White? So I, I think that's something that if you're a Bills fan, you might be wondering this year and hoping that it's a little bit of a, a weird year for that. Um, and then there are other losses. I mean, losing to the Chiefs 26 to 17, that's sort of where we put them in the AFC is below the Chiefs. So that's not a terrible surprise that they lost by that margin. But losing to the Titans after the Titans hadn't played or practiced for so long and they lost them 42 to 16, that was quite a surprise as well. So I think that um, where I flag the Bills a little bit is that each of the times that they've lost this season, they've lost to teams that are 
you know, playoff contenders. And I think that they've beaten some playoff contenders as well. But um, for me, it's really a question of can their defense step up for those games? Um, yeah, to give them a shot against these teams that we know are better than them on paper, right? Yeah, and I think that's such a um, such a good way to look at it. Is there a team that just really needs to peak at the right time? Uh, I did just look up the so like last offseason they yeah they lost Shaq Lawson that was probably the only big one couple of couple of other names Kevin Johnson was a fine corner so they didn't lose anything crazy their defense just really has taken a step back um, but yeah like like when I start to compare the Bills to these other AFC teams that they'll have to get through yeah it, it's it, it's not a team that I have a ton of confidence in I think Cleveland's better than them I think Miami's better than them I think Kansas City and Pittsburgh are both better than them they, they might be better than the Titans. Um, and who knows who that seventh seed is going to be right now. It's the Colts. I think they're probably better than the Colts, but, but I think there are at least four teams better than the bills. And that's, um, that's a really hard thing to get through, especially because Josh Allen is not proven in the playoffs. And, uh, again, I have no confidence in him. I could just rip on him all day for some reason. This is, it's a weird vendetta. Well, I hate the bills. That's probably what it is. But the reality of it is they do have 27.8 points per game, which is actually the exact same as the Pittsburgh Steelers. So. I mean, if we're talking so highly about the Steelers' offense and the diversity of weapons that they have in their offense, we have to talk just as highly about the Bills. So um, they definitely can contend in the AFC. As far as I'm concerned, I actually contradict what you're saying, Daniel, and I actually think that they are the best team in the AFC East, but um, I'm not going to bet on them in the in the playoffs. I think that they have the opportunity to contend, and I would definitely think that they could go, you know, they could go on a hot streak and you know, get to the AFC championship game, maybe, but I wouldn't be willing to bet too much money on that, to be honest. And so I think that that's where the the problem lies is um, not the consistency, but whether or not they can get hot. Cause I really do think that they have to be hot in order to win games, right? Teams like the chiefs, uh, teams like the Steelers we've seen this year, they don't need to be hot to win games. They can win games just purely on talent. And the bills are a little bit less fortunate in that way. So then let's talk about this team that I really do think is the best team in the division. That's the Miami Dolphins. Um, they've been on a tear, uh, like, like really good. And, and no, has their competition, their competition has not been by any means the, the best teams in the world. In fact, I think their strength of schedule is maybe, do they have the easiest uh, schedule in the league this year? I don't know how NFL or how the score does strength of schedule. They're ranked 32. I think that means they literally had the easiest schedule in the league, um, which, I mean, definitely helps. But but this is a team that, for a lot of the failings, they've just managed to, to come out and win games, whether that's with Ryan Fitzpatrick or with Tua in the games he's played. But um, they've just had, like, some pretty good showings from a lot of their players. Devontae Parker has not had the season... I think anyone was hoping for, but he's been solid. Mike Gesicki's really developed into one of the better tight ends in the league, which says more about the league than uh, Gesicki as a player. There's just <laughs> not a lot of good tight ends. Miles um, Gaskin missed some games with injury, but he's been pretty encouraging for the team as, as I think, just an undrafted rookie. Am I am I crazy? What was he? No, seventh-round pick, sorry, from 2019. But um, he's, he's shown some ability. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Th- this team just is really appealing to me. And I, I honestly couldn't tell you why. Xavier Howard has been, has been playing exceptionally with eight picks on the season. Um, and it's just kind of a little things. I don't know. They're, they're very interesting to me. Um, 
especially as as Tua gets his starts and is, is having opportunities to play. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this team could really be something down the stretch. I don't think that they're by any means a huge Super Bowl threat. I think, again, there's a lot of AFC teams better than them, but uh, they're interesting to me. Yeah, you know what? I, I would have to agree with you there. Um, and where I go when I tend to look at how teams are doing and, and generally where I gauge them against competition would be um, the points per game they give up on defense and the points per game they score on offense. And so one area where I have to say that the Miami Dolphins have been fantastic is on the defensive side of the ball. They've only allowed 17.7 points per game, which is actually second only behind the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. So I think that, I mean, we saw the acquisitions that they brought in in the offseason or that they they made in the offseason, right? Bringing in guys like Kyle Van Noy, bringing in guys like Shaq Lawson, bringing in guys like Emmanuel Ogba. Um, there's who else is there? Um, Byron Jones from the Cowboys, right? There was a number of players that they brought in to add to this defense. And so, I mean, we've talked about it quite often, Daniel, how we're both big fans of Brian Flores, who came from the Patriots. And so I think that this team has been founded on its defense. And where my question marks arise around this team is on the offensive side of the ball. They've scored, you know, 25.3 points per game, which is not terrible, but they're behind a lot of other playoff contenders, you know? And so I think that that is a risk is how off or how good can their offense be? And I don't think we've ever seen Tua at a point where he is playing at a dominant level. I think he's been, I mean, if you look at his stats and you don't watch the way he plays, it's very game manager-esque. He has seven touchdown passes, zero interceptions, which is actually great for a rookie quarterback to not be turning over the ball in the form of interceptions. But I just, I really question for the last four games of this season that they have, it's the Chiefs this week, Patriots next week, the Raiders after that and the Bills in Week 17. And so as far as I'm concerned, Daniel, those are all teams that have better offensive output than the Dolphins do. And so how good is this defense? Is this defense as strong as the Patriots defense that we saw last year that could win games with a crappy offense? Or is this a defense that's going to flounder, right? If Patrick Mahomes has the ball and controls the time of possession, you can't tell me that the Dolphins are going to, I mean, contend in that game. It's not even going to be close. And so I think that that's where the Dolphins' weakness really does come out is um, their ability to score points at this point in time. If you look at the, I mean, um, talking about the players that they have on their roster, Daniel, that you were just mentioning, no one is really shining. And I mean, to be fair, their running backs have been banged up here and there. So for for their next man up mentality in the backfield, I've been quite impressed. But yeah, none of their receivers are really doing much to impress me at this point in time. Their defense, however, is the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, and I, like I hear that this team realistically, like they could still finish this season eight and eight. Um, this last four week stretch is not easy by any means, but it is also a chance for them to prove themselves. Um, they feel like a ten and six football team to me. Probably yeah, a couple of wins, couple of losses as they finish out the season here. But um, what about this Patriots team? I mean, we've said a lot about them throughout the season, um, but uh, they've had their ups and downs. I think. I don't know how much you and I have said on the podcast. Our text messages are pretty much just filled with "Please cut Cam Newton." So, they, uh, <laughs> man, they've been they've been weird. Um, there have been some really encouraging things, some really discouraging things, and I mean, this is not a Super Bowl team by any means, but uh, they could maybe make a run at the playoffs if everything falls in right. And um, there are definitely a, a few pieces that, as a Patriots fan, I'm I'm looking forward to next year when these pieces have a chance to to develop hopefully on a, on a better team. 
For sure. And I think I have to start this off by saying four out of their six losses have been within one score, uh, one score games, right? When, I mean, you talk about the the Seahawks game where they lose by five and literally get shut down at the two yard line, right? You look at the Chiefs game where we had Brian Hoyer as the starting quarterback and they lost by 16 in a game when Patrick Mahomes was very well contained by that defense, um, losing to the Broncos in a game where the offense couldn't do anything. Um, and I think the, the Broncos were held to six field goals, if I remember correctly, losing to the Bills when the Patriots were driving down the field and Cam Newton fumbled, right? Like you look at the the losses that they have, losing to the Texans a couple weeks ago or three weeks ago now, I guess, um, in a, a relatively close game. And that's a game that they should have won, but still one possession. So I think that I've been encouraged by that fact alone for, for the Patriots, Daniel, is that they managed to keep games close um, either by their defense playing extremely well or their defense playing well enough for as long as they need to play well for the offense to finally catch up excuse me I think that's where I mean that's where the story for the Patriots gets a bit interesting right is that sometimes their offense is on fire sometimes the special teams are a huge contributor to their team but then there's other times where this offense is just absolutely demolished you know and so um quite honestly yeah it's the offense that's really frustrating me with this team like, I mean, who's the dominant player on this roster? Nikhil Harry has done nothing in his second year. I think Demir Bird is the leading receiver. Julian Edelman's hurt, so that's disappointing. The one bright spot I see on this offense is that the offensive line has developed a lot of talent this year in the place of injuries. Uh, Michael Owenu, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he's been playing outstanding. And, I mean, Damian Harris has been outstanding as well from a running back perspective and may make Sony Michelle... Um, no longer needed but other than that daniel i can't think of too much to say for the patriots other than it's their defense that's really helping them contend consistently yeah like i think if you want to talk bright spots on this roster you you kind of nailed one of them damian harris has me really excited we haven't had a good running back like a really good running back um ever since i've been a patriots fan and that's 10 years now like uh, an actual like yeah, I mean, James White, but he's a receiving back, like an actual runner. Um, we haven't had a guy like Damian Harris, and, and it's been really exciting to see him play the way that he has. Jacoby Myers has been kind of this low-key kind of excitement for him. Undrafted guy last year, in training camp, he looked really good, but then didn't really do anything during the season. And then there were talks of him maybe getting cut, but he managed to make the team this year and now has been um, our leading receiver. He's had some games where he's really, really went off, um, specifically against the Jets, 12 catches, 169 yards, um, with a terrible quarterback. Well, halfway through recording that little rant about Jacoby Myers, literally my, my entire phone crashed. So uh, hopping back into what I was saying, uh, yeah, Jacoby Myers has been a guy who um, has really been a, a bit of an exciting bright spot for a team that hasn't had a lot, especially at receiver. Like you said, Nikhil Harry has been uh, terrible and is already looking like another Patriots receiver draft pick bust. So, um, yeah, there have been definitely a few. Michael Anwanu is another really good one. And um, the defense, we don't really have pass rushers, which is sad, but J.C. Jackson also is showing himself as probably one of the top corners in the league. Chase Winovich has been impressive, too. I think it would be a miss to not mention his name, but now we're just nerding out about Patriots. For sure, but I think that he's putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and I think that he's one of those guys that in a couple years will be someone we talk about as, um, you know, uh, a rather 
consistent defensive lineman, similar to the role that, I mean, Rob Ninkovich had. Um, something along those lines, and it's fitting that he's wearing number 50 for that reason. But, um, yeah, honestly, I think that the Patriots have a lot to look forward to. I do think it, that it needs, or they need a new quarterback in order to actually achieve that in the future. But um, they do have a lot of bright spots, I have to say. So let's talk about a team with, uh, as far as I'm concerned, essentially no bright spots, and that's the uh, 0-12 New York Jets coming off of a week where their defensive coordinator got fired for calling an all-out blitz in a Hail Mary situation. This team is uh, just sad. I don't even really know what good things I can say. Statistically, the best position they have on offense is 19th in rushing and uh, defense is 11th in rushing yards allowed per game, which is because you can just pass on them for free. So why would you run? They're, they're awful. There's, I don't think there's a single redeeming quality to look at on this team. Yeah, and you know what, Daniel? I, I honestly, i rather talk about the games of the week than waste time talking about the Jets, if I'm being honest. 15 points per game offensively. They give up 29.4 on the defensive side of the ball. Um, typically, when you're going to get the first overall pick, you at least have a couple players to build around you have a you know a couple points of optimism and you said it right they have absolutely nothing to look forward to the one position that they're looking to change is the quarterback position if they can get Trevor Lawrence and I mean Sam Darnold hasn't panned out I honestly don't think it's Sam Darnold's fault I think it's just a terrible organization to be a part of but need a new coach uh, I think they're good from a GM perspective but they just they they need to transform so much of this organization if I had to pick a bright spot I would have to say Jamison Crowder um, with five touchdown catches and over 500 yards. But the reality of it is that it, it's extremely hard to try and look at this team from an optimistic perspective. And shout out to Frank Gore for having over 500 yards and beating, being their leading rusher at the age of 87, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if I <laughs> Sorry, Frank a right spot for this team, it's, uh, it's Trevor Lawrence. That's my only comment. We can move on <laughs> to the games of the week. Fair enough so then i mean yeah let's let's talk about that there's two teams um that we've already you know talked about a little bit in this episode that um are are coming into big games the the afc east um is competing against the two best teams in the afc with the chiefs playing the dolphins and the steelers playing the bills this week those are probably going to be two of the most important games um in in the playoff run especially in the afc so Adam, what are you thinking? When we talk Chiefs-Dolphins, right? I, I was just amping this team up quite a bit. Um, however, they're now playing one of the best teams in the NFL and uh, probably the, the eventual MVP of the season. So do, do the Dolphins even stand a chance in this football game? I'm going to say no. And, I mean, we just talked about how good their defense is, and I think that that is a reason that they could contend. But the reality of it is that a defense can hold on only so long. Um, I don't think the Dolphins offense, gosh, I can't talk. I don't think the Dolphins offense will be able to compete from a scoring perspective. And so the defense may be able to hold up the Chiefs for uh, maybe a quarter, maybe a quarter and a bit. But I think the reality of it is the Chiefs offense are going to break out eventually. Um, if the Dolphins turn the ball over um, and the Chiefs have any short field or any opportunity to score quick back to back, I think that that'll be, the end right the Dolphins don't have the offense to compete with the firepower that the Chiefs do and so I think that's a big reason why this game um, has the potential to be maybe a 10 to 14 point difference quite honestly I'm not sure if you're as uh, as confident as I am to say that Daniel but 
I do think it's a real possibility. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think uh, the Chiefs really haven't played a ton of close games this season. Um, I mean, the Raiders competed with them. I guess these last three weeks have been. And and that game against the Broncos makes me think maybe the Dolphins can find a weakness. But um, prior to the last three weeks, this team just kind of bullied anyone they played, except for that one loss to the Raiders earlier. So I, uh, I don't really feel a lot of confidence in the Dolphins winning this game. Um, unless Tua finds something we haven't seen before, but no, they, uh, yeah, the, the chiefs should run away with this. The dolphins will need to to look for some other wins near the end of the season. I, I honestly don't have a ton more to say. It doesn't really, again, even with, with how amped I am about this dolphins team, thinking that they're um, as good as I do. It, it, the chiefs are different. The chiefs and, and Steelers are kind of just at their own level in the AFC. So, so having said that then, and considering that the Steelers did lose to a, you know, a questionably okay uh, Washington football team, do you think the Bills have a chance this week? Considering that they are at home as well, what odds do you give the Bills um, with as far as pulling off a victory this week? Yeah, and, and like I said, the Bills are actually favored in this game uh, as of seven oh three on Thursday or Wednesday night. That um, can always change with Vegas odds, but. Uh, the Steelers have been, they've had some issues, right? Uh, the, the really well-documented thing that's been happening to them right now is some, some pretty serious issues with drops from their receivers over the last few weeks. Um, and that, I mean, that'll just absolutely ruin a team. And that's how you lose to Washington um, the week after I predict that they were going to dissect that passing defense. So they, uh, they've got some issues to work out for sure. Um, I definitely think they're a, they're a better team than than the Bills, but on this skid, yeah, the Bills could steal a win here, and and if they do, um, I mean, you're looking all of a sudden at maybe the Chiefs claiming first seed uh, in the AFC and likely not letting go at that point. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see how this game plays out. I definitely think the Steelers are better, but they're just on a skid right now. Yeah, and I would agree. I think that the the difference here is. Um, we talked about it. The Bills' defense is not great. So, I mean, you look at the Steelers' offense that I think is quite talented and they have a diverse amount of guys that can step up. And ultimately, I think after a loss like that, we will see a lot of people stepping up. But the reality of it is the the strength of the Steelers' team is their defense. So I think that it'll be really fun to see the strength of the Steelers' team being their defense, stopping the Bills' um, strength of their team, which is their offense. And so it'll ultimately come down to that um, competition, I guess. But I have to say that I think I'm actually going to side with the Steelers this week. I don't think that the loss is too much of a, a deterrent to, to bet with them this week. And so I think that they have a chance to win this game. I will say that I don't think it's any more of a difference than seven points, regardless of which way it goes. I think this one will be a really close one. But um, yeah, I don't see too much of a chance for the Bills to pull this one off, to be honest. Having said that, when talked about, I mean, those are two games that I don't know if you can contest. They're the, the best games of the week for sure. I mean, there's a lot of other games on the on the docket this week that are fantastic. We've got the, the Patriots at Rams on Thursday night, uh, the Vikings at the Buccaneers, the Cardinals at the Giants, Colts at the Raiders, Ravens at the Browns. Um, Daniel, I'm not sure which one you want to dive into to, to talk about a little bit more, but what, what other game on this list are you most excited about uh, this week beyond the ones we've already talked about? 
I think the Vikings Buccaneers is really compelling. Um, I think this is two offenses that have really uh, have potential to to be explosive. Um, yeah, like I think I'm really interested in, in how that one plays out, especially because there are some real playoff implications, right? The the Vikings are essentially trying to solidify their spot in the wild card, and if all of a sudden you know Arizona uh, gets a win this week, Minnesota gets a win. Um, I don't know how it would all work out with tiebreakers and stuff, but I think that could actually push Tampa Bay out of the playoffs um, at the end of the week. So that's that's something. Um, so yeah, that that Vikings Bucks game to me has some actually pretty deep implications for for some teams that I think are legitimate threats. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, and that game is is really intriguing too because it really does get um, get into the weeds of how good the Vikings actually are. If they can beat a Buccaneers team and if Dalvin Cook can run through the Buccaneers defense, I think suddenly the Vikings get a lot more uh, credit when it comes to thinking about what they can do in the playoffs. So definitely an interesting matchup. But if I had to give my two cents here, I think that the Cardinals and Giants game is actually going to be outstanding. And I know that there's a lot of other good games, but I want to see how good this Giants team really is and how good this Giants defense really is, considering how, uh, how much they stopped Russell Wilson this past week. So I'm really intrigued to see if the Giants are a team that despite their record could actually make some noise in the NFC. And I mean, we've laughed at the NFC East all season long, but who knows, maybe they could actually do something. And if they can beat a team like the Cardinals, I think suddenly they're, they're on the map. That's two NFC East or two NFC West teams, two weeks in a row. Um, Yeah. I think we'd have to give them a little bit more credit after that for sure. So then, Adam, as we as we wrap up the episode this week, who are uh, a couple of players who you're, especially now, right? This is for a lot of leagues. The last week before playoffs, it's it's time. You got to find players. You got to start them. You got to win your games now. Who are a couple of of uh, players that you're looking at starting this week? Well, I think there might be some people who are are questioning whether or not to start Josh Allen, um, despite the fact that I think the Steelers will win this game. I think that Josh Allen will still have a good stat line. So if you're going to pick between, you know, a Josh Allen and a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Allen and a Derek Carr, or um, if you have any question whatsoever in putting Josh Allen up against some other quarterback that you have on your bench, I think it would be safe to play him this week at Pittsburgh. I don't think that he is going to play bad enough that he won't be better than your other uh, potential start there. And then I have to say this Giants defense is um, a unit that I think is worth starting in a, from a fantasy perspective, given the conversation we've had earlier about how um, so-so Kyler Murray has played the past couple weeks. And, I mean, he's he's bound to throw interceptions, and um, the Giants' defense has put a decent amount of pressure on quarterbacks, with sacking Russell Wilson five times this past week. So um, I have to say that those are two very intriguing, maybe bold picks for this week, Daniel. But who would you go with uh, this week for, uh, yeah, for all the people out there that might be putting putting all their trust in us to get into a playoff spot. So I'm actually going to recycle one of my picks from last week, which I might have done before this season. I honestly don't remember, but I think Kiki Kuti, um, after I you know mentioned last week that he would probably be a really good start, and he absolutely was with uh, eight catches for 141 yards. Um, I think it's, it's good to just keep him rolling. He seems to be... Um, someone who, who Deshaun Watson is really gravitating towards. And, and we know that he's a guy who can make plays with the ball in his hands. So um, I think he's a really appealing start again against the Chicago defense. Yeah, they're good, but I, it doesn't tend to matter. Usually receivers who can put up numbers can put up numbers. And then um, 
Mike Gesicki had a really, really good week as well. I think nine catches, 98 yards, something like that. And uh, tight end position is rough, but that game against Casey, it's going to be uh, likely uh, a lot of points from both sides. Uh, that just tends to be what happens when teams that kind of can have an offense play against Casey. So I think Gesicki has, has really established himself as a, as a tight end who needs to be looked at and started every week in fantasy. So I think he's a really good name this week as well. For sure. Um, yeah, two, uh, two interesting pass catchers. I noticed that both of them are actually on your bench in fantasy or on your roster in fantasy, I should say. So you're, you're fully invested in these decisions. And I'm curious, when it comes to your player of the week pick, are any of those guys on your fantasy roster? Oh, or I wish is that my, guy on your I, fantasy uh, roster? Yeah, I wish my player of the week pick was on my fantasy roster. That would be a really good time. No, I think, <laughs> um, I think one player who is is rightfully getting a lot of hype and maybe the only player who could uh who could challenge justin herbert for offensive rookie of the year is justin jefferson um he's been a bit streaky i'll I'll give that but um i think he's already kind of establishing himself as one of the top receivers in the nfl and uh and yeah i mean it feels like anywhere you look you're hearing about a dude's averaging 17 yards a catch he's got seven touchdowns he's over a thousand yards already um just exceptional and so i think against this tampa bay defense in a game that like i said has a lot of really big playoff implications i think he's gonna stay hot his last few games um or i guess three out of three of his last four games have have been quite big uh so yeah i i'm ready to ride him in this game i wouldn't be shocked to see a, a 10 catch 150 yard two touchdown performance out of him wow and i mean that's a lot of trust to put in him, um, but not only him, but Kirk Cousins as well. And so, uh, you know, um, I love Kirk Cousins. That's not hard for me. <laughs> it's true, but um, against the Tampa Bay defense, that would be a, a big statement, um, not only for the Vikings team as we've talked about, but but for Justin Jefferson in that offensive uh, rookie of the year conversation for sure. And I mean, being a, a dominant receiver in this league. Um, because it does take a dominant receiver to uh, to put up great numbers against the Tampa Bay defense like that. But um, you know what? I did go with someone that's actually on both my fantasy teams this week, Daniel. So that's why it's uh, we kind of um, flopped here or switched here. But um, I'm actually going to go with Jonathan Taylor against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that um, in what's going to be a really good game, I think that we've seen that the Raiders are playing quite poorly lately i mean the fact that it was a last second victory over the jets is quite concerning and the week before that they got blown out by the falcons so i think that the colts can establish themselves early get an early lead and then i think it'll be a lot of naeem hines a lot of jonathan taylor and ultimately on the ground i see taylor coming out as uh as the dominant player from that offense and ultimately from the week but um contrasting that with some of the players that we think aren't going to have so successful of a week who would you um who would you say is going to be your struggle of the week, Daniel? Well, this is uh, this is a bit of a fight between you and I because you have him as a fantasy start, but I think Josh Allen is not going to be prepared for this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I think this is going to be a brutal, brutal week for him. And um, again, like like I said, he's had games where he looked like he did last year. So I just would not be shocked at all to see this kind of be a a bit of a defining moment in his MVP bid and in a in a very bad way interesting well and we we know you're a bit biased on that one but uh no it, it is a good point because i think 
you and I sort of represent what people are feeling, right? He might come out and be absolutely fantastic and be a guy that you you want on your fantasy roster, or he might be someone that you're, you know, frustrated as your starting quarterback because you know he's yeah just not going to compete when you need him to compete. So it really is a dividing moment for him and for his um, I don't want to say legacy, but for his league-wide perception at this point in time i can't think of a better way to say it than that but um really a defining moment of his career thus far and i'm gonna go with um again i've been beating the drum with this already so it shouldn't be a surprise but i think the miami defense is going to be the struggle of the week um i couldn't limit it to a specific player but i I was really focused on this chiefs at dolphins game and i think that the, the defense for the uh dolphins just isn't going to be able to keep up um if Tua for, or throws any picks or if they fumble or if any turnovers are caused by the Chiefs defense, I just, I can't see the Dolphins holding, um, I can't hold, see the Dolphins defense holding the Chiefs offense to, you know, under 20 points or under 25 points. And so I think that, uh, yeah, they, they have to be my candidate for struggle of the week. And I could be very wrong, but I'm, I'm feeling quite confident going into this week, Daniel, on that pick. Yeah, I think that's, that's very fair to say. Um, we, we all know how good the Chiefs are. I think that's, that's really all the extra information anyone needs is it's, it's Mahomes <laughs> and he's just been um, lights out, just exceptional this year. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, a, what an insane – like you just look at playoff pictures and it's like, oh, the NFC uh, really isn't good and the AFC – kind of is again like six and six right now you're in the playoff picture in the nfc which is crazy but um these these next few weeks like there could be so much shifting in pretty much every way like i think there's only a couple of teams what only kansas city kansas city and new orleans have both actually guaranteed themselves something anybody else could still technically get kicked out so that's uh yeah exactly that's I mean, yeah, there's a lot to, to a lot to be gained and a lot to be lost over the next few weeks. It's going to be exciting. And um, of course, we're, we're not going to stop our coverage. We're still going strong, even as our home province is in lockdown 2.0. But uh, even then, we'll be back on Skype and we'll see you all again next week. <laughs>